Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer makes social distancing better. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys. And this week, I'm starting with a beer called Undead Party Crasher, because we are reading World War Z by um, Max Brooks, right? Max Brooks, yeah. Most the most Brooks, the yeah ultimate Brooks, <laughs> the son of Mel Brooks. Yes, and this beer is called Undead Party Crasher. It is from the Clown Shoes Brewing Company. It is an American Imperial Stout that is nine percent alcohol, and it has to do with zombies because they're undead. If you can imagine such a thing, and as Nate said, we are socially distanced from each other because we are all quarantined. So that's why I'm not sharing. Greedy bastard. It is a very bitter. Burnt tasting beer that I don't like. <laughs> kind of like the undead. It's, <laughs> it's really. So it's fitting. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole story here and pictures of like what looks like Dobby the house elf fighting a zombie and a Frankenstein. And uh, it doesn't really. It, it's made with, yeah, hickory ash. Uh, it tastes like ash. It tastes like. I mean, you gotta be a real ash hole to like this kind of beer. That's what I'm saying. I feel it. So the book, World War Z. World War why are we Z, reading yeah. this? Why is it, why are we reading this again? Definitely because of coronavirus. Oh man, someone should have fucking brought a Corona. That's this is <laughs> the episode was, to drink that. that. Yeah, I was thinking. That. Well, we have a few more. Uh, yes, but you have to you have to buy them in groups, and I don't want to have five others. <laughs> you can just throw them at the hordes of stragglers out on the street looking for toilet paper. <laughs> We are, we are deep in the, the COVID-19 uh, quarantine world, and we have changed all of our recording plans to bring you a whole bunch of plague-themed books <laughs> over the next yeah. couple weeks as we, we record remotely. So it should be interesting. We've got we, time to read, I guess. Yeah. Definitely have some free time. It's amazing how the time flies when you take two naps a day <laughs> and don't go to work. <laughs> All right, so World War Z came out, I want to say, like, 2007 or something like that. It's been around for a while. I don't know. I look up the year. Probably should have yeah, done that. Close enough. So it is called An Oral History of the Zombie War or something like that. And the book is made up of a number of, um, not short stories, but accounts from different people about what it was like as you gradually learn about how this weird disease thing turned people into zombies and gradually almost killed everyone in the world and then the book eventually stories of fighting them yeah this is after the fact this is it doesn't say how many years later but it where he's talking interviewing these people or at least you know the fictional author is interviewing these people it, it doesn't say how many years later but it's clearly a number of years later and you're just hearing about how the war started and then how america won except kind of it's really more cuba uh, the whole world really because you get shit from yeah. All sorts of people that, uh, you know, there's like South Africans and Japan and China and Russia. Like there's lots of different people that all sound exactly the same if you're reading the book. <laughs> like they're the yeah. voices of the characters. I imagine the differences are very more apparent if you listen to it, Nate. I did listen to it, and there were uh, a number of fairly famous actors doing some of the different parts. I mean, there were probably like at least eight to ten different actors doing the audiobook. I've heard that of, of any audiobook, this is like probably one of the best to ever listen to as opposed to read. Because it I is mean, an oral history. So I mean it is 
I guess, I mean, it was a well-done audiobook, but, you know, just one really good audiobook narrator is just as good as Hollywood actors doing it. Really is. You don't need a whole cast. Wasn't uh, Lincoln and the Bardo a similar thing? Where they got a whole full cast? Yes, it? it was, actually, yeah. And I listened to the audiobook for uh, Golden Compass. That had a cast, and that was actually kind of fun. Except for the fact that the book sucked. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Except what that. makes it a bad audiobook. The book is bad. So the book is taking class. It, it takes place after the fact, and they are they kind of recount the story of how it all started and just move forward chronologically through it, through it, and they bounce around from person to person to person to person. And there's like a thousand characters. I can't even remember 95% of them. And most but of them they, don't repeat, right? Like, I didn't uh, bother only keeping a few, only, track. A few only one repeat. or two. Yeah. Most, for the most part, they're like one-offs. Uh, but the beginning, uh, it starts off in China, which was, you know, Ooh. appropriate, coincidental. Uh, and they talk about how the reason it started in China, or not the reason it started, but the reason he chose to start it in China, the, uh, Max Brooks, the author, I read, that um, it's because he figured, like, what's the place, like, what's the place that this kind of thing would happen and could spread to the point where it was a problem for everybody else easily. And he picked China because China has an authoritarian government and they will, they're more concerned necessarily with the, the cover-up of any sort of problem and making the government seem perfect. So stuff like this would get out of hand and they wouldn't to let anyone know until it was far too late, which is kind of what's actually happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To a lesser extent than a zombie apocalypse, but is what kind of happened. Like right now, China's saying, oh, it's over here. There's, there's not really many cases left. <laughs> yeah, but right. there's no way that's true. I mean, I guess technically people don't die of corona if they are shot first. But, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't know if that's happening, but they really did lock down 100 million people and make them just stay in their Which homes. is like ro- locking down Rhode Island for us in terms of proportion. <laughs> well, okay, you're right. <laughs> but this book is banned in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder but why. They, they only locked it down after like three months of not locking shit down and something like five million people flew out of that area and they're like, oh, oof, we, we didn't mean for that to happen. And Whoops. then, well, it's, it's cool because I think they've determined that it was brought to Italy by Chinese tourists. I think that's in the news. So there's validity to that theory. But, you know, China would fuck yeah, it up. Well, any any fucking airport is going to make everything impossible. So who the fuck knows? It's definitely possible. But whatever happened, it got out of hand because they didn't really move fast enough, and they were more concerned with uh, keeping uh, keeping it under wraps than actually dealing with the real problem, which was a little bit of a little bit of a sickness. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. And so uh, I also uh, thought it was I thought it was funny that he wrote this book what like 2007 I think 2006 then. 2006 actually yeah, yeah 2006 and in the book they talk about how the Chinese are they have huge political prisoner camps where they are harvesting organs to sell in the black market which is something they're actually doing right now too with the uh, the the Uyghurs I never know how to say that and it sounds so bad when I say it out loud but uh, they're harvesting what, uh, organs. Yeah, there's a lot of that happening. The the Muslim really? minorities that they have in the camps, the UIGH, 
I think it's pronounced Weger. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy from the Young Turks, Chank Weger. I don't know his last name, but I believe you. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's close <laughs> to that. It's not exactly that. I don't know anything okay. about okay. that. I, I don't know about the harvesting organs part, but they are definitely. They China definitely put millions of people uh, of their Muslim minority into concentration camps. That has been going on for about a year and a half, two years at least. Yeah, and also in the book, there is a rebellion happening in Taiwan. I mean, in real life, it's Hong Kong. So it's just kind of it's kind of funny that a lot of these things are actually happening all at the same time. I mean, funny in a, in a sad, depressing way. Well, I, I actually saw somebody <laughs> say that World War Z is more of a manual these days than it is a novel. They actually use it. I, I saw that they use it at the what the fuck was it called? The Modern in, Modern War Institute at West Point has it on the <laughs> curriculum. They've used it for like ten years because. Not because of, you know, they're afraid of zombies, but for the way of, like, seeing how things like a plague or something that gets out of control could unfold and how different places would possibly react. Because he did a weird amount of research for this book. There's a lot of historical research, too, which is one of the... Well, he's a a historian. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know anything about his background. Yeah, he's a... studied history in college. He's not a professional historian, but he is a history nerd and history person. It definitely reads like that. And a lot of the small places he uses, like the names of like towns or like streets or like uh, buildings are all real. Like he Mm. found places that he could do it so it would make it seem like a little bit more reality-based, which it kind of did, aside from the zombies. All right, Jimmy, why don't you open a beer? I'll have this beer. This is from KCBC. Uh, it is called Iceberg Zombie Apocalypse. It is a fruited sour, and it's, you know, it's zombies. Slancha. Uh, Jimmy is foregoing the glassware. Yeah, fuck it. I got a can here. I don't have to share it. I don't have to give anyone this disease. It tastes like juice. <laughs> it straight up tastes like juice. It's pretty good. It's not really sour at all. It just tastes like I'm drinking like a that's good a can of juice that might have booze in it. I don't know. Six percent, so barely anything. Sour ale with strawberry, blackberry, banana, and peach. That sounds pretty awesome. Vanilla and milk sugar, barley and wheat. Sounds good. Yeah. That's like, okay. So it's got uh, pretty much everything you've ever heard of in one can. So props to you, KCBC. It's a delicious juice. So the yeah, let's, I mean the plot is whatever. Uh, it just kind of follows like how would it break out. And then how did people survive? And then how did people eventually win, right? So I want to start with the... We got the outbreak. Starts in yep. China. Mm-hmm. And the government fucks that balls up big time. And then it talks about how it spreads. And then it talks about... I mean, there's a long sort of like passage where he's talking to a U.S. Marine and about the Battle of Yonkers, I think is what it was. When they're uh, basically the whole U.S. military put all of their, you know, big military hardware in New York City to basically try and kill all of the millions of zombies in New York City because all of New York is just zombies. Well, they put them they put them in Yonkers because yeah. Manhattan had been invaded and they're going to le- they, they lure them out of Manhattan because they figure they can like bottleneck them on a but they're like, oh, that's a lot of zombies. Yeah, so anyway, but they have all of this really, really expensive military hardware that's used to, like, you know, fight the Cold War, but that doesn't work on zombies, you know, or at least it's not effective. 
And so after this, after all of this like fancy stuff doesn't really work, um, they actually lose. Like they get overrun by zombies. They talk about how these huge ass bombs, they work on people because when they blow up, if you're not immediately killed by the fire, you're immediately killed because your insides are liquefied. But it doesn't seem to work on zombies. And if you don't... Did you say bombs? I did say bombs, Nathan. Oh, well, actually, I have a beer for that. Wow. It's like we planned this it. Is from, yeah, this is from Sloop. This is called the Double Dry Hopped Juice Bombs Special Edition. Because special for zombies. Yep. We've had a regular juice bomb before, but this is a special edition. Uh, Northeast IPA, yeah. This may come back here. Also not using a glass. Um, it's, it's very good. I mean, it is a Northeast IPA. It's very juicy. Not very uh, bitter or hoppy. It is very smooth. I like it a lot. It's the bomb. <laughs> Fuck oh, you. Wow. <laughs> God damn it. It's like the sixth one of those we've had, and she finally got there. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Whoop, there it is, since we're using <laughs> 90s <precise>. terms. <laughs> uh, so another thing that also was funny in a sad way in this book was uh, he talks about how when the U.S. basically botched their response to the zombie apocalypse, uh, there had been a massive purging of their intelligence forces because the president didn't want to hear things that he didn't like. And so they were just like, oh, well, no, everyone was afraid to tell him something was going wrong or something, or we were distracted by other shit because we had to because that's what he wanted to hear. And so everything kind of got out of hand. I was like, oh, that's also kind of happening. Uh, yeah. Um, what's funny is he, what Max Brooks was obviously writing about President Bush at the time and not being the, you know, sharpest tool in the shed. Um, but turns out it's even worse now. <laughs> At least we know all those zombies. I did think there was there was one funny thing uh, when he's talking to the the former chief of staff, who uh, is a former chief of staff to the president, and he is talking about how like oh uh, you know we did our best blah 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 he's a, he's an asshole about everything, and his job at the time of the interview was he was collecting dung to be burned for fuel. So the guy is actually a shit peddler. <laughs> He's full of shit. I don't know if that was intentional, but that's pretty good. <laughs> that is a fitting, a fitting fate for some of them. <laughs> there were a lot of things of in the book of like how this restructured society. That's kind of like a big theme, like correcting. You know, like oh, like like one of the things I think it was yeah. in the United States, right, where they have I forget what they called it, but like they had like a, you could be an F one or an F two, and like. All, pretty much everyone in America has a useless job, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. People who got jobs after the fact didn't have any actual useful skills. And the people he met, the people that didn't have use, useful skills, like that could actually like fucking build something or dig something or repair something, were given a job that was like basically digging ditches. And it was like, you know, publicists and, you know, graphic designers are all really, really mad in movie producers. That's totally realistic, but there was one thing about this scene that seemed a little bit like it bothered me was the woman who's taking instruction. She's also some executive or some, you know, empty suit. And she was 
now learning how to be a maid from her former yeah. maid on how to clean yeah. things. Magda, please. It's like, I get it. It's, it's funny. I get it. But what, what training is really involved there? Yeah. You got you to gotta use Windex. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, okay, like 20 minutes. You're really done at that point. It's, it, she wasn't doing like hazmat disposal. That's fair. There is a, there is a lot of you know zombie brain to clean up though, so they they do need a you know true cleaning people. They have to use you have to use the good Windex. He needed an M ninety five mask for that probably. Is that the thing that nobody could buy now? <laughs> yep. Take your word for it. it. Sounds like a gun. Yeah. No. Th- so those are the like higher. They're not just like the simple like. Just paper surgical masks. Those like are the, like the really fancy ones that form doctor a, mask. That form a like complete tight, tight seal around your mouth and nose, like a human that, centipede that, of a mask <laughs> that like surgeons would use. Ew. Okay, and then um, so the outbreak. You know, just to sum up that chapter or section of the book, I suppose it's the kind of what you expect from any disaster movie or disaster book, I suppose. And similar to what we're dealing with here a little bit with the COVID-19 thing, people are unaware of what to do and panic. And that causes bigger problems than the, the thing itself. Even, you know, I mean, the zombies are a little extreme, but people just kind of like, people don't know what, how it, there's misinformation. People don't know how it's spread. And there's even one point where someone says, you know, um, I forget where who's in the book saying this that you know people didn't know people there was a, a pharmaceutical company Phalanx that was peddling um, pharmaceutical medical oh, medicine yeah, that had the, no no effect it was total bullshit the the Richard Branson type guy who runs it lives in a like a fort in Antarctica now just printing money and he's laughing about it and then there were people who thought you know if you got bitten you could be saved uh, by fucking a virgin like. Uh, what some people actually believed about AIDS in, yeah, uh, yeah. Still I do. mean, that, that's a big part of that's um, still a thing. The Book of Mormon is <laughs> that there's a in the Book oh. of Mormon they're making fun of that. There's a guy's like he tried. I'm like, I can't do the accent. He tried to cure his AIDS by fucking a baby, and then like, no, don't do that. You have to f- you fuck a frog, and then <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, he took a lot of things there from uh, I guess historical precedent or whatever but people i mean a lot of it is just like what would happen if anything really fucked up the earth not necessarily even zombies well everything's just so delicate and disruptible and we're, we're so interconnected that that's what the real trauma comes in right like when all of a sudden food supply is interrupted because most people don't make food in this country or it's only made in a handful of places and you know it has to be transported and has to be you're like the the northeast starves, but everyone else is kind of okay in that front. But they don't have other things. Right. And everyone just wants to go to their WeWork and do their podcast. <laughs> oh. oh no, mm-hmm. WeWorks aren't safe. <laughs> they also like other don't exist. <laughs> aren't they bankrupt? No, no, no. Uh, they filed for bankruptcy and then they gave the founder a billion and a half dollars as a severance package and now they're probably restructuring because that's how business in america well they were marketed as a tech company but they're not they're a real estate company they're just like renting office space but everyone thought they were a tech company so when they did their valuation or whatever people were like this is not worth anywhere close to that (laughs) 
amount of money. Well, they also they also did a bunch of crazy shit. Like uh, the guy was convinced, like if I just get enough people, I can pay for all this stuff. But he did some dumbass shit. Like he would tell people in other buildings and other places that like he would buy out their lease for cash if they would move in to a WeWork. And like they would finish out their lease, the time on it, in the week for free, and then he assumed they would just stay. So he was spending money like like water. And they also did a, a fair amount of uh, creative accounting, I'd say, probably. So he Elizabeth Holmes did. Yeah, but on Very a, a yes. much bigger scale. Uh, I think we need another beer. Yeah. Um, anyone want to Mike, jump? it's your turn. It's my turn. Your turn, Michael. This is a beer I was really looking forward to. Sorry you guys don't get to try it. It's from Finback. How'd you know they would appear on our podcast today? It's called Days Uncounted, and it's an imperial stout made with chocolate chip cookies. And on the bottom it says, join the dark side, which is kind of appropriate, I guess, for the zombie thing, too. Uh, it's going to be a heavy beer. I happen to know these are Chips Ahoy cookies they used to make it. Uh, not just any shithead cookies. And it's 10% alcohol. <laughs> Good luck. I'm actually kind of disappointed in it. It has a very bready, biscuity kind of flavor in there that I don't love. But the, would you prefer it tasted more like the chip and less than the cookie? I think that's it. Yeah, I, I, I loved the Oreo beer they did, and they did a cinnamon toast crunch beer. I don't think we've had that one on the show yet, but we could. No. Um, but this, I not we'll find a reason. I don't love this one, and you can tell like they must have a. They must have like a base stout, and they just kind of tweak it for things. I'm sure it'd yeah. be kind of impossible to just invent a new stout recipe every two and a half weeks. It also provides for a way to see which cookie works best. It's true. But since they never really repeat things, I guess they don't really have to care too much either. You know? Well, this maybe is they, our they first... Have like a list. This is our first episode we're recording after Pastry Town. That's true. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Where Jimmy's we almost tried... over his hangover. Yeah. I actually okay. wasn't hungover because I slept for probably 14 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was conscious and walking around, but I was not awake. Are you sure? Like, <laughs> kind of like the undead? Well, I. Jimmy went was to, quite zombie like. I, at I the went end to the other half time. and picked up all the beers I was supposed to get, and I woke up with them here, and I don't remember any of that. So, yeah. <laughs> I had assistance. Yes, you did. But didn't we. I don't know. How many. Stouts? Do you think we tried that day? I don't even. know. I mean, Jimmy tried all of them. <laughs> I actually even didn't. I probably missed like half of them. Jimmy, Jimmy so kind of stopped about two thirds of the way through to just sway and lean on things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, it I was mean, uh, every every almost. I'd say ninety five percent of them were above ten percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Almost everything. And they were yeah. some some I, breweries were doing some pretty uh, heavy pours. It was like, are you trying to fucking kill me? Yeah, right. I was thinking, I was just estimating, not that I counted, that we probably, you know, each of us tried somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 different styles. Um, I think it was that more. that reasonable? I think it was higher. I mean, you weren't there for the first huh. 40 minutes that we were in, 35 minutes. Yeah. Or I, only had like, I only had like four or five in the first hour and a half. I, I hit that hard. Like every, oh, yeah, you were, you were like sprinting. Because I knew <laughs> she was going to run out, and I also, though, was not, I, see, this is not my first beer festival, we should also say Pastry Town is a beer festival in Brooklyn, uh, hosted by Other Half, and it is a celebration of all 
things pastry stout related. So there's actually a, a giant... Beautiful nightmare. There was a giant sign outside that said, be careful, the average beer here is over 10% alcohol. They were right. But I've learned from experience, yeah. you don't, you, if you're there to get drunk, you could, but you're also spending a lot of money to get drunk, so that shouldn't be your goal. You're there to try a lot of beers that you normally would never get the opportunity to try. And for the most part, you only need a sip to try it, you know? Yeah, maybe two. Yeah. So you take a sip and be like, wow, that's really, really good. And then you take another sip or two. Or you go, that's kind of eh, or forgettable or in some cases fucking gross. And then you dump it. So I threw out more beer than I drank. I think that was, mm-hmm. that was the, the pro tip I didn't pass along to Jimmy. Oh, yeah, by a lot. I just started dumping a lot more as it went on, but the damage had already been inside me. So. <laughs> well, we also took a break in the middle and had hamburgers. <laughs> Like, I did not do that. That helped. That was, my, that was my downfall. That kept us alive. And crazy, I can't believe we actually went to that event because it was the next day Nate texted us and said, the um, governor wants to limit um, gatherings. Gatherings. And then, Large gatherings, And yeah. then it was the next week. They're like, and we're shutting down schools and all non-essential state employees. And Well, it was about more like two weeks, but it was if definitely If the thing had been a week later, they would have shut it down. Yeah, two weeks right later, but... If, it, if that date had been a week later, we wouldn't have gone. Either they would have canceled no. it or we probably would have felt less comfortable going. And we were kind of irresponsible. We were like sharing cups and shit. Yeah, that was probably a True. not a good True. move. It hadn't, really, it hadn't really spread very much in New York yet. Well, they, hadn't not, they, had, they didn't have any tests in New York yet, so we didn't know. That's the same thing. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> But we, you know, one of the ways we were trying to maximize our drinking, especially Superfan Eli was with us, and and the bitches, uh, <laughs> the wives, and uh, and Nate, and we had we would go to the counter of you know brewery whoever, and they'd have you know somewhere between two and maybe fifteen beers you could try for the case of other half they had a shit ton, and again if you're only taking a sip you're like all right I'll take a little sip here you, you, I'll get. The first beer, you get the second one, you get the third one, and we'll all just sip out of each other's cups so we don't have to wait on the line again. So yeah. if anybody had been if we sick... Had been infected, we, we, we guaranteed it then. Yeah, we, it was not too smart. But yeah, we had, I, I think it was probably more like 75, because there were over 200 beers, and we went to pretty much every table. And um, you know, some sold out, or you know, poured out, so we didn't get to try them, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was close to 100 that we ended up... Taking that, a sip of that, the Alaska brewery with the marshmallow one was probably my favorite. They kind of all blurred together after a while. They did, but I remember that one, and that's it. I don't remember what the brewery was, was even called, but they're from Alaska. But I, I will be going to Green City in June if that exists this year. Looking forward to that. Oh, probably like, not uh, June. Who knows? Probably not. If but whenever they bring it back, because that's just, that's their the IPA equivalent. We had the Green City beers last year for. Uh, mm. Wizard of Oz. And I have all the Pastry Town beers here that I'll bring once we can physically see each other again. I miss your scent. It's the same. Uh, we'll have to find a good beer. Uh, no. We'll have to find a good book for those. So if you have ideas, send us a message. Shock a lot. <laughs> all right. So shit spreads. People are zombies. And like, I don't know if they ever give a hard figure, but like 90% of the world is zombies or something crazy. Like, it's huge, yeah. And then people start to come up with plans. And, and the most ridiculous thing I thought was the South African plan. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, wait, pause for a second. So, this is where Max Brooks, being a history buff, definitely used the modern history of each of these countries to sort of, like, integrate these, how they fought the zombies into it. And especially with uh, South Africa, where literally some crazy Afrikaner, like, you know, spy general dude came up with a completely crazy plan. Oh, they, didn't, the they didn't quite Paul, describe Paul it very Redeker. well. Yeah. And, and nobody wanted to, like, you can't do that. That's letting so many people die. But then an, an old man who was definitely an old... Uh, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> an old Nelson Mandela is like, no, I called him. Yeah. I told him we need to do this plan. <laughs> and the plan was, wasn't it something along the lines of, like, recreating the homelands, the, the Bantu homelands? So they... So, one of the things that did really happen in South Africa between the 1960s, uh, 70s, and 80s was they told the entire black population to live on these tiny little, like, nature, these reserves, by the way, which they copied from the American in- Indian reservations. But anyway, they told the, which 80% of the population to live on this 10% of the country's land, leaving the rest of the land for the whites. But what this, they did in, what, uh, in the book they did in World War Z is basically this guy created a plan where all the everyone who was healthy would would hole up in these like fortresses, which are basically the homelands, and to keep all the zombies out. And they would leave some people as bait. Yes, people who were also... determined to be not not essential or not easily saved, or you know, kind of threatened anyone. Like that's gonna we're gonna leave those people as the bait for the zombies to go there so we could save the other people over here. And that was the part, you know, the, the, the guy recounting it is, he was a cold, you know, calculating genius. He had no emotion. It wasn't about race. It was just about numbers and, and logic. And, I, and that's what we did. In my it. notes, I called him the most pragmatic man in the world. It's like the, the lame friend of the Dos Equis guy. <laughs> Like, yes. <laughs> the world's most pragmatic man. <laughs> I believe we should all split checks at this bar. It'll make it easier to tip. <laughs> like that's what he does. <laughs> and then, of course, you find out at the end of that little section. Like, Nobody ever knows what happened to was it Paul Redeker, right? To Paul, Red- Paul Redeker, he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, the guy talking is Paul Redeker. He just went absolutely crazy from what he did. Like it broke him mentally, <laughs> and he's in a mental institution, which I thought was. Cute, but a little corny. Cute. <laughs> it's like, all right. There was a lot. There were several vignettes where the person experienced like crazy. They were crazy. Like they were not like their story. They were imagining things. Like the the pilot who gets shot down, and she's getting talked through the whole scenario by the you know the volunteer, the hand yeah. radio yeah. operator and, and mother. Then, no, what would she call herself? Met. Oh, Mets. Mets. Mets fan. Yeah. Oh, Mets. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, there was, there is no, but there is no Mets fan, which is true. There are no Mets fans. But then you definitely not in Louisiana. Yeah, there, there shouldn't be any. And I live in Queens. The, the Mets blow. Some people just love punishment, Michael. <laughs> they're yeah, they're uh, BDSM of baseball uh, fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hit, just beat me. Baseball subs. <laughs> so <laughs> they, you know, then the, uh, the the pilot person survives, of course, and they're like, who? Who the fuck is Mets fan? And she's like, I, I believe it was real. It was, yeah. That's another silly little story in there. 
the sort of like middle, a big middle section of the book is how, you know, the, how the world begins to start fighting back against the zombies and saving themselves. And it's a big part about, you know, the reorganization of mobilization of America. And that is definitely modeled after the mobilization of America during World War II. That's like definitely the model that was being used. This was after they'd escaped to yeah. other countries. After because so the, the Rockies, Cuba Cuba no. becomes uh, so the Cuba part comes in just a little bit later, and I want to talk about Cuba too. But no, but they in America they like they they retreated like westward or more like because you know they, Washington D.C. New York so like they retreated kind of westward to the Rockies. I think yeah, they used they the Rockies as like the pull up divider. Uh, that was like the border they established. And then they were like, well, yeah. we'll eventually get back. Like, they had like blue zones and red zones and places that were... There were pockets of people that had survived east of the Rockies, but they were either... They, they had either uh, air supply things dropped to them or they were just left for defense. Oh, yeah, themselves. they have a, a, like, a, their, their own Berlin air raid. I forget what they call it. It was like the yeah. Rocky air raid or something. Airlift? So, Airlift, that's what it does. And, uh, and air raiding is when you Some, some of them the went toilet. on like uh, all those weird militia groups... Uh, would form their own free states of you know whatever, and they were just like, eh, all right, fuck them. We won't we won't send them supplies. They're they're poop heads, big poop heads. Well, I think it's time for another beer. Okay, uh, Jimmy, you want to? This is my other beer for this one. This is by Collective Arts, and oh, also by Southern Grist collaboration. This is called All the Things, because in this book, all the things are fucked up. <laughs> this is a milk okay. stout, milk stout brewed with banana, chocolate, pistachio, vanilla, cardamom, Holy and shit. cream, which is technically all the things. Uh, 7.2%. Uh, see, I was hoping that'd be a bigger beer. That sounds really good. Well, it's already all the things. Tastes kind of like chocolate milk. The beer? Yeah, kind of. Chocolate milk, the beer, is the opening act for Portugal the Man. <laughs> like, it's, it's quite, it's quite uh, thin. It's way thinner than I thought it would be. Maybe because of the low alcohol. I don't know if that's effect. I don't think it is, actually. I don't know. It's way thinner than I thought it would be. It's not bad. It's not bad. I still don't know what car- car- cardamom tastes like, but... Uh, um, I think it, if you were to guess what this tastes like, you'd probably be correct. <laughs> do you taste, do you say pistachio? It does have pistachio. That's what they say. I don't necessarily taste it, but it's kind of hard to, for pistachio to shine when the other things are banana, chocolate, vanilla, and cream. Definitely a little bit. I definitely kind of taste the banana. And cardamom has a sort of minty herbal flavor to it. It's a weird flavor. It's a, it's it's a too, distinct too much going flavor. on for that. It's a pretty unique spice or whatever the fuck it is. There is a we- there is maybe like a weird little kind of flavor in there. Maybe that's cardamom. I don't know. But it's just not bad. It's not my favorite. Not my favorite. That's unfortunate. It sounded quite nice. It does sound. It's 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 yeah. It's it's, it's good, but I think for this combination of things, it, it could have been so much more. If this was like the same beer made by someone else and they made it like 13% alcohol, it would probably be a masterpiece. So you're saying they should have used more of the things or possibly fewer of the things. That would have been an improvement. I think they should have added even more all of the things. I'm for it. Maybe just more of each of these <laughs> things. Especially if one of those things was alcohol. 
Yeah. I just, you know, you don't see like like super big stouts with this low a percentage for whatever reason. I mean, I'm okay with it. It's just, you it's, don't see it's it kind of like the double IPA thing, you know, like if you're at a, if you're going to drink a beer and like, why, why bother yeah, anymore? I can get the 6% IPA or the 8% IPA. What's, what's, what's the, like, do I want to drink 12 of these or do I want to drink 13 of these? <laughs> How much do I want to forget my dad? <laughs> <laughs> but it's half the percent alcohol of every single beer at Pastry Town. So, you know, in comparison, yeah. it's just weak. I feel like I'm drinking at a children's nursery right now. <laughs> With your chocolate milk. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. The other one's a juice, and this one's like chocolate milk. So I think the highest beer I tried at Patreon was 16%. I'm pretty sure. The first one I had was 15 Yeah, there were a lot in that range. Good. But I was actually, you know, always, I was looking for the biggest beer. And I'm pretty sure it was 16. Did you go? Did you do any of like those special like timed ones where you had to like be there at a certain time or like line up? I did not because they had special ones where it's like you have to be. We're pouring this one at noon, and people would line up at like 11 for it. Or like, I, I, I didn't do that. I thought I hate that gimmick. I think that that's not only were there the ones that were uh, organized by other half that they were had listed, but many booths did their own many other ones so it was really i mean it kind of made it impossible to try every beer which is probably safe for you but uh absolutely (laughs) but i i I mean the ones that i saved the one i really wanted to try was finback's special beer and i got to try that and i think we did jimmy probably just was you know not alive at that point was that right at the end so they had the the giant golden magnum magnum it was a literally a golden bottle you know golden colored looking bottle of oh, beer right yeah, yeah that yeah. was a never before released stout that they perhaps made for this uh, event they were actually going to finback was supposed to have its own beer festival like next weekend and they can't they had to re- cancel it so it might have been made for that too oh right which yeah. we weren't going to go to because it was in fucking rhode island and how how was the golden it was magnum? really good it was like a 12 or 13 percent alcohol stout with uh strawberry which really worked so i had like a chocolate like a strawberry Nesquik kind of vibe. And they, it actually wasn't open. They hadn't opened it yet. And it's literally eight minutes till the end. And Mike was like, hey, guys, it's eight minutes. Oh, that was going to open that? And they're like, That yeah, was a sure. different beer. But that, that was, uh, that was, <laughs> oh, that was, that that was, was that the Omora okay. White, which I really want to try because when that bottle came out, I had work that Saturday. And they sold out of it by like 5 p.m. So I didn't even get to, to try it. This was this was also Finback? Yeah, it was just a thing they made. Okay. Uh, Eric did uh, help me out and hooked me up with a, one of the other bottles of that. They made three versions of Omora, which one was with an orange, which I kind of don't really dig the chocolate orange thing, but it worked. Um, but he specifically said I can't use it on the podcast, <laughs> so I drank it. Um, Why? Because it was an over... It was like a beer that he got to keep as an employee, I guess. That was oh, there was like was something like, wrong with it. It was a special. No, it wasn't item? a special. It was like this oh, is okay. this didn't meet like our quality control. It had too much um, gotcha. sediment. So he's like, yeah, you just when you pour it, don't pour the last ounce or so unless you want the like little shit. But it was fucking fine. And I was like, please give me all of your beer garbage. I will take it all. I spent a lot of time at Pastry Town um, going to the booths that didn't have lines. Because there were some booths that people were like lining up at for like 15, 20 minutes, and there was a, be- a booth next to them that had no one at it. And it was just like, what the fuck are we doing? I'm not going to remember any of these beers individually anyway. There were, yeah, there were some that had huge lines. Um, 
said that we were like, ah, fuck it, we're not even going to try those. And then sure enough, that entire table, you'd see like, no more beers. We're done now. Goodbye. And then they, and then they just got shit yeah. faced. All the staff, by the way, were drinking too, but they were all drinking. Oh, oh yeah, of course. was giving them cans of Pilsner. <laughs> 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 they didn't know how to do it long haul. So there's Pilsner cans around, and, and they're like, yeah, we, I can't be drinking 14% stout all day. Like, what do you, yeah, what do you think do I'm that? doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what monster would do that to someone. I'll say it is a lot of fun. So if you get a chance to go to a festival like that, you should. I'm going to bring a, a backpack full of sandwiches next time. We were making fun of there's this thing where like douchey fucking beer bros where uh, like they made their own, you know those candy necklaces <laughs> you used to be able to eat as a child that they're made with like sweet tart. Oh, oh yeah. But they, it's yeah. with pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> they just have... That, that's not enough pretzels to offset the amount of booze there was. No, not even close. It was like 15 pretzels <laughs> each. Like that, What difference is that going to make? So we were life? joking that, you know, Jimmy was saying I should do it with, with like soft-baked pretzels. <laughs> just, and a, a fanny pack yeah, a fanny full pack of mustard. Yeah, a fanny pack full of mustard. <laughs> and just do that. And then actually by the end of the day, would have been a good strategy. <laughs> It absolutely like, just. I just yeah. want to bring like a loaf of bread and just eat it over the course of like or like fifteen baguettes. So, so a six foot hero, and you could use it as a staff if you get too drunk. <laughs> if when yeah you're right. <laughs> All right, so back to this book. Yeah. Okay. So the like middle part is about how they you know the world starts fighting a pack against the zombies, and one of the really more interesting parts is about Cuba, because it turns out Cuba is the savior of the world because of the embargo. Well, both because they're an island and because they're an embargo. And because of that, Cuba wasn't really like, they didn't get infected by the, by the zombie virus or whatever it's called, the African rabies. Yeah, that it was. Rabies. So they were able to... Great band name. They were able to um, stop zombies from coming in. And then what happened is there was, because America was like overrun with zombies, there was a flotilla of rich white people floating from Florida down to Cuba, which is the opposite of what Cubans used to do, you know? Um, so they were going down to Cuba in their little flotillas and they'd arrive and they were basically picked up and treated as refugees by the Cuban government, which of course they were. And they were, and then they were put into camps, but actually, and then they were allowed to work, but they would only be do do the jobs that Cubans didn't want to do. So they were like cleaning ladies and street sweepers. <laughs> yeah, and these are and these are the these are the rich white people, you know, fleeing America. But that's essentially one of the places where uh, in, in the book where you know humans mounted their you know big stand and started to push back and start defeating the zombies. Yeah, because they had to. I guess first they had to figure out um, like how they were going to feed themselves and shit like that, and then they made organized plans to actually mm-hmm. kill them. And uh, does one of those plans involve a beer? Does anyone have any beers left? I think it does. I have a beer, yes. And I bet that plan involves cannons. <laughs> this, this beer is called Cannons. <laughs> it's by the Ella Long Island City Beer Project. And it is a definitely an IPA. It is 8.5% alcohol. And we did have this beer one other time. We did it time. for um, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah, oh, there you go. yeah, yeah. We drank and it for states' rights. I actually... <laughs> 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 
That's right. I uh, bought this. I bought a four pack of this because I went to the beer store when it was like, oh shit, they're going to close everything. I need beer. Uh, and bought a four pack of this and another one. So, and I was like, oh, we did that one already, but that was good beer. So I'm going to get it. Again. Your stocking up was two four packs? No, another two four packs. I already uh, had a bunch I more. bought two kegs. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have a keg. I know, machine. but I was harassing Eric. I, mean, not, I was being a pest. I was like, dude, hey, how's those kegs coming? I, I, I need to, are they ready? And he the was like, I got, and it, it kept getting pushed back. Originally, was like, I think you ready by Tuesday. And he's like, uh, it's not ready. That beer's not, because it's like a brand new beer. They hadn't even canned it yet. He's like, it's not carbonated yet, so we got to wait. Probably tomorrow. Then I get an email like, next, it's definitely Thursday. I was like, God damn it. What if, like, what are they going to, like, close down transit and shit? And I'm like, oh, it's just sitting there. I need those kegs to taper, otherwise I get the shots. Uh, that's exactly what I told him in the email once I picked them up. I was like, thanks a lot. I'm sorry if I was being a pain in the ass. I just had the shakes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I know, you have a problem. No, he didn't say that, but it was uh, that. And the, he said it with his eyes. And then I was tempted to, but my wife wouldn't let me because she's, she's mean. She's a big meanie. Uh, other half was just doing canned sales to go. I was like, I should just grab that too, you know, just to be on the safe side. But I didn't get to stop there. But maybe, Nate, if you want to swing by there, isn't that close to you? I, I looked to walk there, and it's about an hour walk oh, from yuck. where I live. So I went, you know walk. what? In the middle of one of these, like, long days, you know, I will, I will walk there with a backpack and a suitcase, and I will. And, and a red uh, wagon that you could trail behind you like a, like a child. A wheel wed wagon? A wheel wed wagon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. Stock up on so actually I did go to other half and buy some cans, but uh, and then I went and bought some uh, this Long Island beer, uh, Long Island City beer. But anyway, I will go back to other half and I will buy some more cans. I actually bought two really two really good bottles, like specialty bottle things, and some four packs at other half. The beer store by me is still in the list doing stuff to go. So yeah, there's a lot to do stuff to go as of now. They're just not allowed to sit in there. Yeah. So like at Finback, they've kind of blocked off when you walk in. It's all barrels, so you have to you can only walk to the table that they've set up, and they have Purell, and they're like spraying everything, and everyone has gloves, and they don't let you in more than a few feet, basically, and then just give you the shit and yeah. kick you out. A lot of uh, beer places in New York now, they'll do deliver. Well, they'll do like takeout, but they'll do delivery, but you are required to order food. It's like, because it used to be you couldn't really order alcohol to go. It's like a law thing. But now you can. They relax that rule just to help uh, restaurants. But now you have, so places are like tater tots. Yeah. With a four pack or a six pack of beer. Or like they have a, a lot of bars will have like a cooler outside, like cocktails to go. I don't know why you'd want to get like a fucking Jack and Coke for the road or like 12. Uh, evil, e- evil twin is doing that. They have their cocktail, and they're in like little. They look like little medicine bottles, like old timey medicine flasks, filled with their you know hipster well, I mean, cocktails. I guess it's technically medicine because if you drink enough alcohol, it kills germs, and you can't get germs inside you. That's true. Because that's that's true. That's science. That, isn't it's it? that is irrefutable. That's why everyone at spring break is drinking so much. I hate I hate those people. I saw someone put online uh, <laughs> a video of like a clips of. The dumb spring breakers like, dude, I've been planning this for like months now. We're just gonna not go. Just party, yeah. And it's like, just remember, 
that guy also gets to vote. <laughs> like, oh, man, that hurts. Well, he might also kill his grandparents, so. And then who's going to pay for my college tuition, bro? And you, you hate them. You hate them so much. Yeah, they're pretty sad. But also, it's an important thing to know. They're being mislabeled as millennials. They're not millennials. No. They're too young. We're millennials. Nate's a boomer. They are they're baby <laughs> children. They're tiny I mean, babies. I'm a boomer, but you guys Nate's are Nate's from the greatest... No, no, Nate's I'm part of the, the greatest, greatest generation. generation. Greatest generation, yeah. <laughs> yeah That's why this book hit so hard. That's why he knows about World War II, because <laughs> he was there. I right. was on the beaches of Normandy. As an old man. <laughs> I was the most experienced. I was too old to fight, but I volunteered. <laughs> I remember the guns at Shiloh. <laughs> I had my bar uh, mitzvah. Just, just, just to, just to, uh, <laughs> just to correct the record, I am actually a millennial. Yeah, the, but the previous one, <laughs> the first millennium, <laughs> from like it was a Roman centurion feudalism and shit. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that's running there's those um, the guy who has the greatest name uh, ever. Those the those um, or actual oral history books that were popular a few years ago, um, Studs Terkel, which sounds like a guy a porn actor from shit movies. <laughs> I think he does like German t- Studs Terkel. It's <laughs> a real dude. Studs Terkel did yeah, these, yeah. a whole bunch of those. I have a couple of them. Like he did one with World War Two. He did a Great Depression one. Just interviewed a bunch of people, and they kind of cut the interviews up just like this book is to make it have a bit of a narrative and to hear the voices of not, you know, some, some are, I'm sure famous people being interviewed, but others just like the, the voice of random people who survived the shit. And the guy's name is Studs Terkel. I think he's dead now. He must be, but, uh, is it pronounced like Stutz or something. Uh, I'm going to, I, Stutz, Stutz Terkel. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's even worse. Uh, he's, he's, been, he's dead a while now. He was American. So it's probably just Studs. Um, his name was actually Lewis. Lewis Studs. He, he chose to be called Studs. Yeah, I don't know how he got to be called Studs. My guess, I mean, he was born, um, this is from Wikipedia now, he was born to uh, like Russian Jewish immigrant parents, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's some sort of like uh, Yiddish thing or abbreviation yeah, of some okay. sort of word sense. from another language. Or he just fucking racked up gash. <laughs> like, as a stud. <laughs> <laughs> that was his nickname in college. He called me studs. So, uh, <laughs> when, uh, so how do they turn the Cuba? They turn all the Norto Americanos or whatever they call them into labor, which is probably a good move. So basically the, after everything goes to shit for a long time and they f- get themselves back together, they, decide, like, the old way of doing war against the zombies isn't working. We have to figure out how to do it. Oh, one of the things is how can, like, the whole old method of war was about shock and awe. And it's like to get, really, I mean, destroy people, but also get them to, to run away. But the yeah, zombies basically are not capable of Until they lose the will to fight. And Which, zombies cannot lose the will to fight because they're very hungry. <laughs> hungry, hungry zombies. Pretty much. And uh, they decided, then, then they, I remember passages of like, we're just going to set up this sort of bottleneck thing and 
will have a whole bunch of sharpshooters just shoot them in the head for hours at a time. Yeah, and don't, just one a second. You don't need to go faster than that. Just aim carefully and shoot. You don't need to just, like, you don't need to miss. We don't have that much ammo. What they, what they did was they, they got them all to come to one place by blasting Iron Maiden because the noise would attract <laughs> the zombies and basically make, like, a... Like a chain effect, they called it, where like if one zombie goes and he starts moaning, another zombie will hear them, and so they start coming towards him through this place where they could like funnel them, and then they just line up soldiers like old timey Revolutionary War era, where one line would kneel and fire, and then they would get up, and the line behind them would fire while they reloaded. Except in this case, they just kept shooting, and someone behind them would hand them a gun. And if you needed a break, you just take a little break, take a little nap, and the guy behind you would start shooting until they had killed, like, tens of thousands of zombies because they just walk slowly. So you just sit there, shoot them, shoot another one, shoot another one, shoot another one. And they don't use, like, missiles anymore because they don't do anything. And it decides that it works. Once you figure out how to do it, it just takes a long fucking time. So they just sat there for, like, a full day shooting an ever-pressing-forward army of zombies until they have, like, a... 25-foot-tall stack of dead zombies, and they would just shoot ones that popped their heads over after a while. It also describes, like, the emotional or, like, physical toll on your body of just sitting there for hours, like, the mental difficulty of that. Yeah. A lot of it was just conditioning. And I will also say that in the movie, which I am ashamed to have watched because it was so bad. It's like they just slapped the title on on a different zombie movie. Yeah. I mean, they used a tiny, tiny parts, but it was like mostly it was just a completely rewritten story about zombies. But the zombies were really fast. The zombies were like... Yeah, they were really, like... Really, uh, really fast. Like 28 Days Later zombies. Yes. Fast zombies. That's about it. In this book, they were not. No, they're, no. they're traditional zombies. They're which, sh- shamblers. Which uh, Max Brooks had written a previous book about zombies. This is his second zombie book. He had written uh, the Zombie Survival Guide, which was, I think, a little more funny. Yeah, it was more of like a like a like a sur- actual survival guide with like diagrams of like what to do, like how to fortify your house, like board up windows and stuff. I can't remember if it was internet joke or if it was actually from the book where you just surround your house in treadmills. It's probably internet joke. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was like um, those worst case scenario books, you know, where they yeah, which which were funny. Yep, I read I had a few of those. Um, one of the things I was thinking when I was read this is, uh, I don't remember exactly when Walking Dead, the show started and became really popular. It was about 10 years ago. About, yeah, this is the 10th season currently. Well, just, just a little bit after this. But Walking Dead, the Year comic's been around for a while, and I've actually read the whole Walking Dead comic series, and just couldn't help but compare those two Well, there's things. also, there's like a pop culture thing, or I don't know if it's a sociological thing. Well, they found like trends of when zombie things become popular in waves, and it's usually every time there's a recession or something like that. Hmm. I remember reading, like people just like the world is kind of coming to a slow end. What's going to happen? Oh, people are into zombies again now. Interesting. And like when they're not, it's not zombies. Sometimes it's like other stuff, like vampires. When it's things, uh, some other shit. I don't remember. I'm well, like, butchering this, but it was it was like there are certain times in world history when zombies become popular and it usually coincides with uh, recessions. But vampires had their moment a few years before with uh, Twilight and all that shit. And there was a boom then. Boom. 
And okay. then the, I don't know, something about blood sucking and capitalism. I don't know. Some, you know, clever, <laughs> cl- clever metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So then eventually, don't, isn't there a thing where they go, I don't remember the end of the book very well now, but they basically clear the American continent or North with the former United States or they spend of, like two or three yeah. they go years. Like, they go like house to house in every town and they like go through the woods. And then there are still zombies like on the ocean floor, just slowly crawling along. And, but they eventually clear everything out. Something like that. They, they have to do like hands across America though, right? They have to like make a chain it to basically just walk across, across the continent to, to clear it. They're basically just they're basically just pushing a line of no zombies and just going as they go. And there's a lot of stuff happening in the background. Like there's a whole lot of uh, about the Chinese Civil War, but how like the the renegade submarine captain stole their most advanced nuclear sub and like went to go hide. Oh, yeah, and right. they built like they used the sub to power an island of like happy people. And eventually. Oh, yeah. They get found and they have to go back and say like China's under in deep shit. It's like, all right, let's go back and nuke the Chinese government, and they do. And that's probably why this book is banned in China. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, because they realize they, they'll never give up power. The old commies, and we don't want yeah. that now. That's bad things. And, and like uh, in Iran and Pakistan nuke each other at the beginning, which we skipped over. Which you know you think it'd be Pakistan and India, and everyone thought it was going to be them, but it was Iran and Pakistan because they have that border. That huge ass border and the zombies keep going across, and everyone's like, "Dudes, do something about this fucking zombies!" And they're like, "Ooh, sorry, I don't know, it's not us." And so they nuke each other, and then every and now the world kind of exists in like a pseudo nuclear winter because of all the nukes. Right, they do mention that winters are much colder and harsher, even though and you it's, the sun's not out anymore, like as much as it used to be. Hmm. There's also they still have to clear in uh, Canada. Because a lot of people fled north because the zombies. For some reason, I mean, this, I mean, there's, there's. They don't like cold. They yeah, freeze. Like they the freeze, thing. but then when it cool, when it uh, gets warmer again, they just they're but still there. They thaw. They had that whole seg- section about uh, like the family from Wisconsin going up and and then they fucking go and they have to end up eating people in the camp. Yeah, <laughs> it's like trade the because you know. it's basically it comes down to. Is, you know, a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck they're doing says, oh, we'll be fine. We'll just go and hang out for a little while. It's blow over. And no one has any survival skills. So they just drive up and they, people bring, it's like the, like the fucking people in, what was it? Uh, Call the Wild, where they bring oh, yeah. like all their clothes and all their pots and pans with them, but they don't bring any fucking food. Mm-hmm. And they're camping out in Canada in the winter, which is 11 and a half months of the year. And... <laughs> It just doesn't work out, and so people start starving to death. So, as you know, well, I think probably one, realistic. One of the things people like about zombie, the zombie trope, is uh, especially in like the prolonged things, like what happens long. You know, it's been it's been going on for a while, right? Like we have to adjust to this new world. Is it real? You realize how one like totally ill-equipped most of us are to not live with modern luxuries and comforts. Yep, and also. Oh, yeah. It's kind of interesting to imagine, like, what would the world, how, how would we rebuild the world, and who would survive, and what depths would we have to sink to to survive? And that's kind of the gist of Walking Dead, is that the zombies are kind of a background element of the Walking Dead. It's more about what do the people do versus yeah. you know, the zombies, because the zombies are just kind of, and they're just like a herd of animals, you know, they don't really matter. And that's interesting to see. It's, it reminds me in that sense of The Road. Funny you should mention that. I've actually been rereading The Road 
Uh, I was, I'm about halfway through. That's a dark book. <laughs> it is. So, so after like reading a bunch of The Road and then reading this, like first of all, the road is so much better written than this. Oh yeah, it's well. The road so is much the road better. is much and more of like a artistically written, and it's like a it's like a yes. fiction book. This is this is written like a newspaper journal journalism kind of thing. Yeah. it's meant to be just like a factual history. And a, a question I was going to ask you guys was: Was this book scary? Not even a little bit. No, but I don't. No. Th- it's not meant to be scary. No, I don't. I mean, even though there were some like kind of graphic, a couple of kind of graphic scenes about like fighting the zombies and how about they're like, you know, you know, basically people are people are rising from the dead and then like eating your brains and stuff like that. And some there were there were some graphic things in there, but it wasn't scary. I I did like the uh, the the thing with the, the the thermobaric weapons where they suck the oxygen out of uh, an area and it ends lungs. up just pulling the lungs out of all the zombies' bodies so they're walking around with their lungs hanging out their mouth. Yeah, that was gross. And <laughs> uh, I, I want to know if that's a real thing, but I was I mean, it's probably scared. a real thing. It's just that if it happens to people, they just die or they're liquefied otherwise so you wouldn't notice. Right. Does it also... Would you imagine that also pulls out their assholes? Like, does that, does that <laughs> yank out colon? It probably depends on which direction they're facing. I mean, it's a vacuum, right? Isn't it just going to pull out everything that's available? Like, your fucking I mean, brain should get sucked Technically, it wouldn't pull your lungs out either, because... They won't fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because you have negative suction, like, inside your body. So how would, would pull them, how would it pull them out of your body? You would have to have a hole in your, somewhere, like, in your stomach to let your lungs... Well, these zombies away. might have holes in them. There's really no point in like talking about a lot of science with this book because it is really not about that. But anyway, I because I was also reading The Road at the same time. I was like, The Road is so much more intense than this and so much better written. It's also because The Road is happening as it happens. This isn't after the fact, like, this is what we did and this is how we got through it and blah, 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 blah. So there's no... There's Maybe a, a little. Because you know, you know the people that are telling the story, nothing's going to happen to them because they're alive. But in the road, it's been like seven or eight years since the apocalypse happened. And that's kind of the timeline here. Oh, five. Yeah, but it's a different kind of apocalypse. That's true. And in, in the road, you are following along with just a dad and his son. This is a journalist telling have, people have told their stories after society has not maybe fully, but effectively been rebuilt. So there's no, yeah. there's no stress. You kind of you know that it turns out okay. He tells you yeah. that right up front. Uh, in this book, like the... the the frame story of this book is that it, you already know that it's going to be okay, which definitely changes There's it. a lot of creepy shit in it that just is like, oh, that's fucked up. But you know there's nothing, the narrator isn't going to be killed. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about the book. Uh, it was fun. Well, it, dude, should, who should read I it? I think if you like history, it's a fun book. There's a lot of little tidbits and you'll be like, oh, I know what he's talking about here in Japan. Oh, that's a cute little thing. Uh, that's a you know fun little detail about Cuban history. He did put in the uh, he put in the the Zaitoichi, the blind uh, swordsman guy. Yeah, of course. Like, who was the Japanese guy? He's a blind swordsman. Like, all right, who, sure, who somehow not? lived in the mountains and was like, I will purify Japan for the future. And then there was also like the weird what the nerd guy, right? The otaku guy. Oh yeah, who lived online and then. Finally, the world ended and the internet was down. So he's like, I've got to go reset the router and set it to kill zombies. <laughs> he went to go out the router and his, both of his parents are dead. And there's a zombie. And he no has one's to, like, fed me. His, uh, 
He's got to escape his building. I, I felt this book was infinitely better than it had any right to be. Um, that's fair. It's a book about zombie bullshit. It's, yeah, it's like... I mean, I, I would say it was fun, definitely, and I, I, I liked it. I mean, I definitely liked it, although this was the second time I read it, and I was kind of like, uh, I didn't necessarily... I didn't need to read it a second time. Once no, was fine. Probably it was It was, like, very entertaining, but the second time wasn't necessary. I, I thought it, that he put a weird amount of research into it and made it a little bit more... Like, it could have been just a corny zombie book, but it ended up being a lot more than that. And it's, I mean, if they use it at a fucking, if they teach it at West Point or like the Naval Academy or whatever, there must be a reason for that. That reason I don't exactly know, but I know there is one. It's fun. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. If you expect anything more than that out of it, you're going to probably be disappointed. But it's an entertaining thing. And, you know, while we're sitting around quarantined, it's fun to read something about a, a plague or epidemic pandemic yeah i mean this this could be used and more to in any any kind of way that's not necessarily just zombies but any kind of massive disaster that disrupts the earth you can kind of substitute it to a certain extent a lot of the overall details might change but the gist of it might be kind of similar yeah there are a lot of eerie parallels and uh we, we kind of know people panic and that's people act stupid and that causes more chaos and and that's happening to a much smaller degree right now. But, you know, you have people like panic buying toilet paper and lining up to buy guns in Long Island. So just get a just get a bidet. <laughs> it's thirty dollars on Amazon and I've never had an itchy butthole. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know how to wipe before? I'm not really sure what you were doing. Hey, you got to use your fingernails, right? You all uh, you want you want you do do into the paper and then you drop it into the bowl. <laughs> Strangely, if I was talking to my parents who live in Florida, and they're in kind of not remote Florida, but you know they're in Florida, so it's a lot more less densely packed. So life is mostly the same. Totally, yeah. It's just like ah, when I went down to the Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> it was crowded. But they're like, I don't understand why everyone's so obsessed with the toilet paper. You just wipe your ass with a rag. Like, why wouldn't you? I was like, you guys are disgusting. Like, wait, are you? Wait, I swear, I don't know. If I you're swear serious. to God, my mom said that to me. I mean, and then, like, two I know, days I know later, they I was talking said to my dad. That, he said that too. Like they. <laughs> came to the same oh, no. conclusion. Like, if you run out of paper, you just, worst case scenario, you wipe your ass with a rag and you just wash oh, it. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just a, if it comes to that, they oh, don't no, do that regularly. No. Well, no, they just shit on, they shit okay. on each other most of the time, okay. so they don't really have to worry about it. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. But they both came to the conclusion, like, yeah, let's just get out my ass rag for hard times. <laughs> like, what's wrong with America? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone's weak. <laughs> okay, at least just Florida. Oh, yeah. Florida's Florida's just different, so there is that. Um, but yeah, so the book's fun. Beers are fun. Sorry we didn't get to all try them together. Dude, you're locked in your house anyway, so... Yeah, I started drinking a lot later today than I have <laughs> the other days, so <laughs> this is nice. That's, that's impressive considering you usually work. Uh, the other days of quarantine, <laughs> I started drinking at questionable hours. Though starting at like one thirty today wasn't necessarily questionable, only because you can't remember. Yeah, totally. That's what I meant. <laughs> questionable days sometimes. Well, uh, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc, or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. Oh, and uh, if you you know gonna get that sweet stimulus check from the government, you're not sure what to spend it on. You can go over to Patreon slash drunkguysbookclub or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> drunkguysbookclub. 
and uh, you could you could buy us a, a beer and help help support the show. We'll need them. We will. We will need the beers. You do too, but you know you don't. This need is more. just like wartime reporting. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, if you want to just leave us a review wherever you oh, are, yeah. uh, wherever you're listening, just round up to five zombie brains. Any any zombie could leave a review, but but only a true listener could could write one too. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It did and, in my head. The words didn't come out right. <laughs> and uh, also check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs>